0: Social media is a place where people express their opinion on various topics. As such, it is a field where Christians can also readily engage unbelievers in a way that is civil yet frank. Last week, a friend whom we shall hide behind the name Brainy put up a lengthy post that came into my feed. His post was usually of the esoteric, philosophical, technological stuff that would easily earn him the label conspiracy theorist. One post caught my attention because it was of a religious nature and heretical, bringing up the idea that Paul distorted the gospel. This is actually an Islamic method of trying to prove that the gospel has been corrupted by Paul. Brainy said, Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer that we can directly call upon the Father without any mediator. All prophets of God directed their people to call upon the Father and worship him alone without any mediator. Monotheism does not require mediator, it's the other religion by Paul that requires it. I asked him, are you reading the Bible? Or, are you adding to it thoughts and conceptions of other men? He replied, I read the Bible using the odd to interpret the NT to sift through the lies and inserted doctrine by other men. I then said, you are obviously well read. The question now is, and this is a loving one, not meant to insult or frighten, if you died tonight, where will you find yourself in eternity? And, why there? To which he replied, none taken. Thanks for the question and I appreciate it. Short answer is no one really knows if one will go to paradise or hell. Humans are in no position to give verdicts on behalf of God. No matter how good or bad we project ourselves to the public, only God knows our true intentions and only he shall be the judge of our hidden desires and intentions. As long as we keep the commands and submit to the will of the one true God of Abraham and believe that he has sent Jesus as the Messiah for the lost tribe of Israel fully human and a prophet of God and make true and complete repentance when we sin we can hope that God will put us in a better place for he is the most merciful and oft-forgiving God. May God continuously guide us in the right path and help us attain success in this world and the hereafter. By using the terms merciful and oft-forgiving God he is actually leaning towards Islam perhaps without knowing it. So I had to lay down a godly challenge before him. I said, if I can show you from the Bible that it is possible to ascertain without a shadow of a doubt that one can be assured of an eternity with God, right now, here on earth, would you have an open mind and heart to pay attention? To which he answered, Jesus said, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus also taught us about repentance in the Lord's Prayer when he said forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against sick, us, and it was elaborated by Ezekiel when he said, the one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. But if a wicked person turns away from all the sins they have committed and keeps all my decrees and does what is just and right, that person will surely live, they will not die. Onyx shows the verses above are my reference on what I said but please do show your reference as I would like to ponder upon it. At this point, I launched into my treatise. In retrospect, this might have resembled Paul's message to the Gentile crowd of Athenians of Mars Hill if you were allowed to finish it or Stephen's speech to the high priest and gang but without the knockout blow in Acts 751 53. The following is my post which elicited a like from Brainy. Start of evangelistic message. You said, please do show me your reference as I would like to ponder upon it. Very well. I trust you are a man who is sincerely seeking the truth and not just one seeking to bolster a predisposition. Being mindful of FB post limitations, I've omitted verse references in my points to reduce the character count of this post, but if you want it, please feel free to ask. You'll also notice I've refrained from using concepts external to the Bible because the Word of God is sufficient to lead man to salvation and to living lives that are pleasing and acceptable to God. Brainy, let me begin by saying that I perceive your concept of God is lopsided and therefore, unfair. It's very much like the individual perceptions of the five blind men wanting to describe an elephant. No matter how wide or deep a perspective we take of God in order to understand Him, we will certainly fail in that undertaking because the God of Scripture is infinitely greater than what our minds can conceive of Him. If one can put Him in a box, one can be certain it is a God. However, He has chosen to reveal enough of Himself to us His creatures. From Genesis we see Him communicative and desirous to fellowship with Adam. Please track with me and be patient. What He has revealed of Himself in the Bible is enough for us, his creatures to worship him, fear him, love him, serve him, and trust him with our lives and affairs. That creator-creature fellowship was broken when man, in Adam, chose to disobey, rebel, against God. When Eve, followed by Adam, chose to believe the serpent's lie that they would not die in contradiction of God's command, they in effect yielded their God-given dominion over all creation, God gave man authority over his creation. Consequently, Sin entered creation and both were driven out of the garden but not without curses pronounced on them and also upon the serpent. The effect of this sin was immediately made apparent in the first murder of Abel by his brother Cain. Although Adam and Eve did not right away die after eating the forbidden fruit, the process of physical degeneration and death was instantly initiated in their bodies and minds. The poison injected by the serpent into man's mind manifested in the wickedness of the subsequent generations all the way to the days of Noah, up until the present day. There were, of course, exceptions of people God deemed as righteous such as Abel, Enoch, Noah, et Al, who acted as lights in a world darkened by sin. Every man is born a sinner. Because sin is inescapable, there is no way a man can be freed of its power, escape its consequences, much less be able to conciliate his differences with God. This conciliation is imperative because the holy God will never allow sin in his presence. If a man wants to be reconciled with God, he must first beg for forgiveness and then pay for it. God's justice demands the settlement of all offenses even among humans. Without satisfying God's justice, the Bible says man must pay the wages of sin, death. Death is not just physical, when the spirit separates from the body, but also spiritual, when we are separated from God. This spiritual death can be experienced while a person is still alive and well on earth, and with finality when his soul is cast into hell. That a literal hell exists is beyond dispute as the prophets spoke and warned about it and the Lord Jesus lectured on it, as well. God then delivered his laws to the nation of Israel through Moses summarized in what is known as the Ten Commandments. God had intended the Abrahamic race to become a beacon and a fountain of blessing to the rest of the world, as a prototype or model of what could become a people who believed, obeyed, and worshipped God. But Israel failed her mandate resulting in the split of the kingdom that God had established in David. Instead of being a godly model, she followed the idolatry and whoredoms of the heathen nations and kingdoms around her. In the process, she persecuted and even killed the prophets God sent to warn her of her sins. This led to the captivity of the two kingdoms, Israel and Judah, under the Assyrians and eventually the Babylonians. With Israel becoming a hopeless case, the rest of the world was doomed. Out of love, God put into action the plan he had in mind from the time of Adam's rebellion to reconcile humanity back to himself. He would send the seed of the woman who would be the enmity between the serpent and the woman whom he tricked and who would break the serpent's head. This seed is the Messiah, the Christ whom Mary conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost and brought into the world via a virgin birth. Jesus' birth was heralded by a heavenly host of angels who announced to some unknown shepherds who were watching their flocks by night. Gentile magi whose hearts God stirred came from afar led by a star. Yet by large, the nation of Israel missed this momentous event when God broke through into our time and space from eternity. Only a few souls who had waited for his advent recognized him as he was presented to the Lord in the temple in Jerusalem, viz, Simeon to whom God promised he would not die until he saw the Messiah, the widow Anna who was a prophetess who also had been consistently reminding the Jews of the coming Messiah, and of course, later on, John the Baptist who would prepare the way of the Lord as a voice of one crying in the wilderness. When John saw Jesus the first time, he exclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Two things are notable in this annunciation. The lamb was in reference to the temple rite of animal sacrifice that had been instituted by Moses as prescribed by the law, which always reminded the Jews that sin can only be expiated by the shedding of blood. In this case, animal blood, but which animal had to be spotless and without defect, a prefigure of the sinlessness and holiness of Jesus Christ, the spotless lamb of God and the sin is singular. It implied that Jesus' vicarious death would be sufficient to pay for all the sins of humanity if they would believe and appropriate for themselves that sacrifice. In the Mosaic ordinance, the sinner recognized that the blood, life, of the animal that he brought for sacrifice would pay for his sins. During Jesus' public ministry, he revealed the meaning and context of the At-Law and prophecies. He also told his followers that the Old Testament spoke about him. The prophecies about the circumstances of his birth, his teachings, and his death were precisely fulfilled in his life. His life, his words, teachings, coupled with the miracles he performed, are, beyond a shadow of a doubt, proof that he is who he says he is. Even the religious Jews who witnessed these were convinced that he was sent from God, though they could not believe he was the Messiah. Jesus claims of himself as the bread of life, light of the world, I am, God's revealed name to Moses, door of the sheep, good shepherd, resurrection and the life, The way, the truth, and the life, true vine are either the words of a very clever liar, or a deranged person, or a true declaration of who he really is. You and I are sinners. The very people Jesus came for. The very people he shed his blood for. There is no greater proof of love than when a person gives his life for a friend. Thus, God is extending his hand to every sinner to accept the pardon he is willing to give. When Jesus cried out it is finished before giving up his spirit, he was not referring to his work on earth. The Greek word for finished has a commercial meaning and is applied to the payment of a debt. You and I are debtors to God. The good news is that Jesus has paid it on our behalf. He is calling sinners to himself because he is the bridge to the Father. No man can come to the Father except through him. No amount of profoundness in philosophy, sharpness in logic and depth of earthly knowledge will help man find God. Only those who are humble enough to see their depravity in the eyes of a holy God, and who turn to him in repentance, and accept the free gift of eternal life in Christ will be assured of salvation here and now. Therefore, the Bible makes it clear that every person who repents, turns away from sin, and believes that Jesus is the Son of God and puts his trust in his finished work in the cross of Calvary will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your house. End of Message Dear Reader If you read all the way here to the end of this article and you're still not sure about your eternal destiny, now is the time to make the most important decision of your life for your soul's sake. Stop listening to the wise men of this world and instead, turn to Christ, the wisdom of God. A lot of things peddlers of falsehood share with others are merely hearsay, repeating what others have said. It is thus very easy to fall into heresy. If you are seeking the truth, do those steps described in the last paragraph of my message above and experience the presence of God in your life as you obey him and walk in his light.